0: Welcome back to James Cameron's Titanic, scene by scene. I'm Brittany Butler. I'm Ethan Brem. <laughs> almost <laughs> I forgot like, to say your name there. I was reading.
1: <laughs> I was reading my <laughs> note, and then I almost forgot.
0: Oh, man. And now we are moving on to the scene titled, You See People on the DVD scene selection. And we've been talking about how we're going to actually end up splitting up the scene selection because the deeper we get into the movie the longer these scenes get (laughs) and to the point where there are five scenes jammed into one scene title So it's right now. No, 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 not now. But I mean, like, oh, like, like later on, like it gets to the point where scene 20 really includes like five scenes. and I'm like, okay, this is we're definitely going to have to start doing part ones and part twos for scenes. Um, That's all right. Yeah. So I think this scene might be our very first two parter. So we'll see how it goes. So before we get into this next scene, of course, want to read another comment or email, uh, this one is a YouTube comment going all the way back to four months ago, uh, which I can't believe we've already been doing this podcast for four months, but yeah, it almost crazy. feels like we've been doing it longer than that, though.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was going to say like maybe six months, but yeah. Yeah. Wow. I know, right? Especially considering like the break we took.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the break we took and then how well it's been doing so far, actually, I think, too. You would think it's Mm -hmm. been a little longer, but thank you guys for listening because it's been so nice. It's cool. So back to four months ago under our first episode on YouTube, this is a nice comment that we got that I don't think we've read. It is from Cliff9685, and they say... This is a fantastic podcast. I will be listening to every episode. I like how you explore and talk about the cultural impact of the movie and don't just dive in. You can't appreciate the movie as much without discussing that. Growing up in the 90s, I experienced and lived the phenomenon firsthand. I'm a guy and a huge Titanic enthusiast since second grade, and I lived for this movie coming out. I was obsessed with it before it came out, following every news article and piece of TV coverage. I was at the theater December 19th. 19th opening night and still have my titanic popcorn bag i brought six people with me to see it and then i went back five more times before it left theaters bringing other people with me because they had to see it lol as a titanic enthusiast this movie was a dream come true with the effects and sets and attention to detail it was like a time machine then the movie just blew up it was a special time of my growing up and it makes it more than just a film so I just liked yeah. that comment.
1: Yeah, it's really good.
0: Yeah, because it's true. You know, it's it, I I totally agree with bringing different people with you each time you see it because they just have yeah. to see it.
1: <laughs> well, and it like creates a different experience depending who you're watching it with. You know.
0: Yeah, like me bringing yeah. my cousin with me to see it that last time. Like mm-hmm. I really was thinking though I was like oh my gosh is there anyone I know who hasn't seen it yet or is there someone who you know hasn't seen it in a theater which my cousin had it um, you know so and that is something that was happening back when it was in you know in the 90s was people were cho- yeah. like James Cameron has said as well people were choosing who they wanted to re-experience it That's with cool. which is very true and it, it does it, it yeah. makes it different for you as well depending on who who you're sitting next to and seeing it with mm-hmm. I, I always think when you see it with another person you try to see it through their eyes and like wonder oh i wonder what what they're seeing getting out of yeah. it right now or whatever and it makes it a little bit more exciting
1: <laughs> yeah and you get to see maybe someone's reaction like maybe it's the first time they've seen it oh yeah and you get a unique reaction
0: mm-hmm. all of that aside because it's just so fun to talk about this stuff but getting back to the scenes So we talked a little bit about some deleted scenes in the last episode, which is something I definitely want to continue to do because sometimes they really are important, you know, as far as like a little nugget of information that maybe helps us understand the scene a little more or, you know, it's just fun to talk about, you know. Mm -hmm. I feel like they're pretty relevant at this point. There is a deleted scene that sets up this next scene and I always really liked it because, I don't know, there's something really pure about it and young about it. And I just really like it. So first off, first off, here we go. Can't get ahead of myself. Wait, the actual scene in the movie version, uh, it starts a fade into her and Jack walking along the deck and talking together. And Jack is sort of talking about his growing up. And that's where that this next scene starts. Uh, but there was a deleted scene in between that where we see how Jack and Rose met up and started going on this walk. And I kind of like it because, I mean, we don't really need to see it, but and, and we've talked about it before, how we don't see what's happening between them every minute on the ship. Yeah. But These deleted scenes kind of help fill in those gaps a little bit, and you realize how much time they Mm -hmm. really did spend together that we didn't see. So it's just a really small thing. So it's a scene where Rose goes down to the third class and seeks out Jack to talk with him. Mm -hmm. It's a really nice scene. She's in that, you know, that gold and white dress that she's in in this scene. So she comes walking down into the third class, and there's like this lovely backlit like sunlight thing going on shining down the steps as she comes down and she just kind of looks like this angel sort of descending into the third class Mm -hmm. and it's like the third class common room like that big room where they have the party later it's like the same room I think and so she goes down there and everyone gets kind of quiet As she walks down there, and they just kind of look at her like, what is this first-class woman doing walking down here right now? And, you know, she's just walking around like, hi, hello, excuse me. And she sees Jack sitting there with Fabrizio and Helga and Tommy... Uh, Before she comes down, actually, it's kind of nice to see the third class world for a little bit. So you see Jack and he's with Cora again. Like Cora had Mm -hmm. a bigger role in the movie because of these few little deleted scenes. And he's sitting with her, going through his sketchbook with her, and she's, like, drawing something, and he's like, yeah, good, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but it's it's cute. And Tommy is looking through Jack's drawings, and he's like, yeah, they're, they're really good. <laughs> and Fabrizio and Helga are trying to get to know each other. He's like, Fabrizio, Fabrizio. And she's like, Fabrizio. <laughs> like they're, t- they're trying to talk. Where is she from? Bro, she's Norwegian, right? Oh, okay. Think. And then he's like, "You, you," and she's all, "Helga." <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's never gonna work.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're uh, they're getting to know each other, and um, there is once again in the illustrated screenplay. There's a note from James Cameron that says. Ultimately, I felt like I only had time for one romance. I didn't think the audience would be willing to invest their emotional energy into following another couple. Yeah. Fabrizio and Helga were to represent the hundreds of other lives intersecting, new relationships starting that were ended abruptly and tragically by the sinking. I did miss showing that.
1: Yeah, I think he's right. Um, to like, Mostly, at least. Um, I think you do get... I mean, obviously, like way at the end during the sinking, like that couple, I forget the names who are in the bed,
0: the Strausses, like
1: that kind of stuff, I think is really impactful. But as far as like trying to develop the relationship, I don't think you really need it.
0: No, that's something that some people take issue with. But as we've said, it's it's strange to say, but you really kind of only need it as like little vignettes in the background or, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't need to be that developed in order for you to still get it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and also, like, from a, like, critical standpoint, you don't want too many subplots, you already have a lot of stuff going on, I mean, Mm -hmm. which is why it's a three-hour movie, partially, but there's no need for another subplot as much as, like, people, they critique things and then they don't really think about, like, what the result of what they're suggesting would be exactly if they actually saw it they'd see that it doesn't work at all
0: exactly i listened like all the podcasts i've been listening to still and it's so crazy like i search and there's like always new ones there's always a new movie podcast that has covered titanic (laughs) on an episode and uh or they're just old ones that for some reason didn't show up in the search before that i see and i'm like where did this come from okay i'll I'll listen to this one (laughs) And uh, and yeah, there are so many people who think they know so well what they would do to make the movie better, because it's garbage, of course. The movie's garbage. Yeah, yeah. So what they do to make it better, and they say these ideas that in turn would not make sense and would ruin things, yeah. and yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's... It. You have to make a decision, especially if you write something into a movie. hmm Um, To cut it out, I mean, is not always an easy decision, especially if you actually, like, filmed it and, like, all this stuff. I mean, so, there's a lot of, what's the word I'm looking for, like, discernment when they're trying to figure out what's going to stay and what's going to get cut. It's not just, like, gut decision, usually, so... Mm.
0: Yeah, especially when you've shot it, right. Because there are a lot of things, like in the illustrated screenplay book, that tell you, deleted, never shot. So it's like, you know, just something Mm -hmm. he decided, eh, I don't need this in the written script. But there are a lot of things that are just deleted. Like, we literally shot this, but deleted it. Yeah. There's probably like 40 deleted scenes or something like that. And I think there's even more that, for some reason didn't make it onto all the DVD releases because there's definitely some other things out there I think that they've shot that we haven't seen. But yeah, anyway... Yeah, so Rose is walking into this third-class room, and she sees uh, Jack and Fabrizio and Helga, and it's cute. Jack, his back is facing her when she's walking down there, and then Fabrizio can see her coming, and he, like, hits Jack on the shoulder, like, hey, hey. He stands up and turns around, and I've seen people gif that moment because Leo does look breathtakingly beautiful um, when he stands up and turns (laughs) around to face her, and it's, like, from her point of view. And she's like... "Um, can we, can we talk or whatever and he's like sure and just stays there <laughs> and then she's like in private <laughs> and he's like oh yes of course he goes off with Rose and then Fabrizio and Tommy just look at each other and laugh because they're like they just can't believe it that like this first class <laughs> lady is like coming down here to talk to their poor friend like what's happening it's crazy
1: though back then
0: and it's, it's just really cute because it, it just it feels very young and yeah I, I think it's nice because you know Leo does look young throughout the whole movie, which we've talked about. But I feel like sometimes it's easy to forget that Rose is seventeen, and mm. you know he's twenty, you know a little older. But they're still young, and I, I just really love this scene because it it gives me that little warm like feeling of these these are just two kids, right? That are just yeah. Hello, Mr. Dawson or Mr. Jack or whatever. Like, uh, can we talk? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's oh.
1: interesting, especially. I mean, it's your favorite movie. So with my favorite movie, I love watching deleted scenes because it kind of just allows me to see into that world more and mm-hmm. pieces of it that I'm not f- as familiar with. Or you, you almost feel like you're watching
0: like something entirely new.
1: Yeah, and it's it's cool. Um, so I think that especially like for someone like you, you're gonna find that a lot more valuable. Yes. Um. Yeah, which is interesting too. Mm-hmm.
0: And like, there are some deleted scenes that add to the relationship building that I still agree yeah. with deleting.
1: Sure, yeah. But
0: I still love watching for that reason.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'll understand why, but...
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. When you see these little pieces, it just makes you think, like, oh, I wonder what other conversations they had. Or, yeah. You know, it's, It
1: expands the world more. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's definitely Definitely. fun. And, of course, I've seen the deleted scenes a bunch, too, but obviously nowhere near as much as I've seen the whole movie together. So it is fun sometimes sitting down to watch the deleted scenes again.
1: Someone should make a a version where they include, like, all the deleted scenes. Oh,
0: I think that already exists. Oh, really? There's definitely a fan edit out there somewhere. Oh, nice. And it puts the movie well over four hours, I think. Yeah, I'm sure. Anyway, but, yeah, I really like that deleted scene. I also like how Determined... Uh, we see Rose being, you know, that she would go into the third class and cross these class boundaries to seek out Jack. That's just something I think is really interesting to see.
1: Yeah, she doesn't care.
0: I started thinking about, you know, I was like, oh, I wish they kept this in for that reason. But then I thought about the fact that it might have lessened the impact of Rose going down to the third class party.
1: Oh, later on, yeah. Yeah, I think it makes more it. sense
0: for the party to be her first experience with the third class. Yeah. Because otherwise it would have been like, yeah, she's already been down here for a little bit, like she's already seen it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, yeah, it lessens the blow, maybe, yeah. It also might just be something as simple as like, like when you're writing screenplays, they tell you that you shouldn't say hello and goodbye. Mm. They should drop you right in the middle of the scene, you know what I mean? Right. Here, there, though, you see the hello. Mm-hmm. He probably weighed that too. Like, do I need to show the hello? They've already met.
0: Exactly. So obviously, off screen, they they were walking and talking for a good while before mm-hmm. we cut to this scene in the actual movie version. Uh, as Jack says, he's like, "So we've walked about a mile around this boat deck, and you know, chewed over how great the weather's been and how I grew up, but." I Reckon that's not why he came to talk to me, is it? I love why some people are like, Why does he just go southern suddenly for like no reason a few times throughout the movie?
1: <laughs> oh man,
0: oh uh, yeah, but it is interesting though. We do get a little bit of Jack's background here, mm-hmm. he does explain that he's been on his own since he was 15 since his parents died, so he's literally an orphan, and that he had no close family in that part of the country, so he lit on out of there, and he hasn't been back since. And then a lot of people mention how he says, I guess you could call me a tumbleweed blowing in the wind. Why? <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> Just because that's like a, it's a cliche line like cliche, or yeah,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: uh, But apparently that was ad-libbed by Leo. <laughs> well. There you go. So once again, I feel like you can't get mad at ad-libs, honestly.
1: You, usually not.
0: Like, if, if it was just feeling right in the moment, I feel like, how can you get mad at that? Some
1: directors, like, refuse ad-libs. Mm. Like, if they're very touchy about the overall product, I guess.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, props to James Cameron.
0: Oh, yeah, actually. What do you know? There's a note that has underlined, I'm like a tumbleweed blowing in the wind or something. And it says, This line was improvised by DiCaprio in rehearsals. And then a quote from James Cameron. I thought it pretty well summed up his character. Then later Leo second-guessed it because he realized he had definitely heard it before. But the line seemed organic to his character and I didn't want to remove it. Interesting. So, because again, he was like, Oh no, that was too cliche. And he's like, no. Yeah,
1: at least he recognized it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like how a 20-year-old Leonardo DiCaprio recognized that it's cliche and not James Cameron. <laughs>
0: gosh so speaking of jack's upbringing and his parents dying we actually got a little bit more about that in the original screenplay that they cut and changed during jack's speech at the first class dinner they really did a lot of editing (laughs) to that Mm. speech it originally was a little cheesier and it was him kind of talking more about his family so i'll just read what that originally was it was well It's a big world, and I want to see it all before I go. My father was always talking about going to see the ocean. He died in the town he was born in, and he never did see it. You can't wait around because you never know what hand you're going to get dealt next. See, my folks died in a fire when I was 15, and I've been on the road since. Something like that teaches you to take life as it comes at you. Um, I just think it's interesting because I did not know that it was in a fire. (laughs) Yeah. you know and that was something new I found out when I got this screenplay book I was reading it and I was like oh his parents died in a fire like that's something I never knew and it's not like that much you know it's not that big of a detail but it was still something it was something new that I didn't know
1: yeah exactly yeah did he say why he didn't make it longer just it was cheesy or
0: um let me see
1: too much background
0: it just says dialogue rewritten the night before shooting so
1: Yeah. I think, par- I think some of it adds to the mystery of Jack, too. Like, there's this kind of mystique because you only see him for a few days, you know?
0: hmm Yeah. I mean, this whole time, I never needed to know that detail. Yeah. But when I did find it out, I was like, oh,
1: interesting. Yeah, exactly.
0: So this whole scene was rewritten as well. So here's another blurb from James Cameron about this scene, just because I love reading all of this stuff. And I think... It's worth mentioning for anyone listening who does not own this book and doesn't know. So it says, this is quite a long blurb, so it says, Having Jack rescue Rose may have been economical dramatically, but Cameron realized it did not come without a price. And then, quote from James Cameron, Now you have to dig yourself out of a hole. For these two people to become romantically involved, Jack has to get past her emotional confusion and Rose has to decide to stay with this uncouth steerage passenger when everything she's been taught is telling her to leave. They both have to move through these broad character arcs that usually take three or four scenes at least and complete them in only one. And it says the rewrite of scene 69, which is this scene, came out of long discussions between Cameron Winslet and DiCaprio during Mm pre-production. And then another quote from James Cameron. We locked ourselves in the screening room at Lightstorm, which we were using as a rehearsal hall. We knew this scene was the pivot, the quintessence of Kate and Leo's on-screen relationship, so we worked on it for days. I had Kate and Leo improvise the scene in their own words, but still in character, as if it were taking place in present day. I video and audio taped the sessions. The night before we shot the actual scene, I played all the tapes back, I made notes combining the best of all the versions, and then pounded out the scene. The actors only had a few hours to learn, almost seven pages of dialogue. Considering these parameters, that this scene is a 10 in difficulty, I think it's 98% successful.
1: 98? I thought it was a good scene.
0: Yeah, me too. And I think it feels really natural, which is probably Mm, um, the result of them rehearsing it naturally many times and then Frankensteining the scene from that. So that's kind of interesting to know. Anyway, so, he says, I reckon that's not why you came to talk to me, and, you know, she goes, well, Mr. Dawson, I, Jack, and he's telling her, like, call me by my first name now, and she's like, okay, Jack, uh, she's thanking him for not only pulling her back, but for also being discreet about the whole situation and not giving away that, you know, she was actually going to commit suicide, so she thanks him, and then she kind of stops herself, and she says,
1: look... I know what you must be thinking. Poor little rich girl. What does she know about misery? No. No, it's not what I was thinking. What I was thinking was what could have happened to this girl to make her think she had no way out.
0: And I do love this because this one little thing of him saying this, what happened to you to make you feel like this is the decision you have to make, and him just saying that one little thing allows her to open up. Yeah. No one ever asks her, how are you feeling? It's like no one cares, Like as she has said mm-hmm. before. So by Jack saying this, he's really allowing her the space to vent. And, you know, she's had a lot of this stuff bottled in. And now we're seeing that she's already comfortable enough with this person to just let it all out. And mm-hmm. I think that has to do with the fact that they already have established that bond. She knows that she can trust him. Yeah. Because she, he didn't give up her secret. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's funny, too, like how he's the lower class and she's the upper class, but, you know, he doesn't really complain about anything. Like, he doesn't have mm-hmm. any worries. And I'm sure he has stuff on his mind, but he's more concerned with living and and not regretting anything whereas she's got like all these worries and I think she is self-conscious about it because she's like I have all these material things like what do I need to complain about you don't have anything Mm -hmm. I don't want to insult you true obviously he's not insulted by that Mm -hmm. well at least he doesn't say he's insulted by that yeah yeah it's interesting it's like complaining about something somebody just died and you're like complaining about something that's not seemingly as big of a deal but it's relative they can't expect you to understand something if they've never been through something that bad,
0: you know? Or, yeah, like, I just thought of someone who, like, lost a leg or something and you're like, oh, I had the hardest time getting up the stairs <laughs> or something. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like you're selling it to someone who doesn't have a leg, you know? Exactly,
1: yeah. I think it kind of also gives her perspective and she realizes I was trapped, but, you know, it could have been worse. Like, I could have had nothing and, and I, I gave up all this material stuff. I got a bunch of stuff in return. Mm-hmm. Like, whether this relationship and where that relationship with Jack led her emotionally and, uh, you know, mentally. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah. I like this scene though because even though she doesn't say too much I feel like it still lets us into her mental state a little bit because one thing people mm-hmm. take issue with is the fact that this woman was about to commit suicide and her mental health is never brought into question. (laughs) You know, like, her mental health is never touched upon again. I like that this scene kind of does try to dig and get to the root of why she was going to make this decision. Yeah. So it's not entirely overlooked. It's not like, this happened and then we never talk about how she was feeling ever again or anything like that. I mean, I do like this scene for that.
1: Yeah, she addresses it, so.
0: Yeah, she does. So... You know, she says that she's feeling trapped, basically, and she just elaborates on that Mm -hmm. about how it really has to do with marrying Cal and all of these invitations have gone out for their wedding and that all the Philadelphia society will be there. And all the while I feel I'm standing in the middle of a crowded room screaming at the top of my lungs and no one even looks up. (sighs) I just have to keep. (laughs) <laughs> Busting into random... I didn't even remember
1: that line. What? When was that? Was that was that in the scene? Yeah. I didn't remember it.
0: Yeah. Before that, she does say, she goes, I feel like, you know, it was everything. It was her whole world, all the people in it, and that her life is just moving, 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 and she's powerless to stop it. And she shows him her wedding ring, and I do love that moment. It's funny where he goes, God, look at that thing. You would have gone straight to the bottom. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's a good line. (laughs)
0: Uh. So she's talking about how it's really the wedding that's getting to her. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's the idea that she's going to be tied to Cal for life. And she doesn't explicitly say it, but I think it's clear that if she goes through with the marriage, then everything she's ever wanted that we, you know, we find out you know I, I've said before I feel like every scene we we learn a little bit more and more and more about the kind of person Rose is and what she wants to do you know she knows that's not going to happen if she goes through with this wedding she's going to be tied to this person and she's going to be the trophy wife and whatever and, and so Jack asks her do you love him and it turns into this whole bickering scene that I love
1: she, she just turns it into this like ludicrous question because she doesn't want to answer it do you love him Pardon me? Do you love me? Well, you're being very rude. You shouldn't be asking me this. Well, it's a simple question. Do you love the guy or not? <laughs> this is not a suitable conversation. Why can't you just answer the question? <laughs> this is absurd. You don't know me and I don't know you and we are not having this conversation at all. You are rude and uncouth and presumptuous and I am leaving now. Jack, Mr. Dawson, it's been a pleasure. I sought you out to thank you, and now I have thanked you. And And you've insulted me. Well, you deserved it. Right. Right. I thought you were leaving.
0: I am. You are so annoying. (laughs) Ha ha. And it's just this cute, again, it's, like, young. Yeah. They're just, like, these are two people who are clearly, yeah. like, attracted to each other. Which is why she wasn't leaving when she said she was leaving. She'd rather stand uh-huh. there and hold and shake his hand for an hour.
1: And it, I like because it doesn't cause any real drama between them. No. But it's just kind of, like, it also doesn't keep everything just all hunky-dory and rainbows and butterflies. Like, it, you know, they bicker and it's yeah. it's they tease each other and it's kind of cool. Yeah. I like that. Like, like
0: it is rainbows and butterflies, but it isn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when Jack asked, uh, you know, do you love him? That opened these floodgates because obviously Rose knows she doesn't love Cal. Yeah. And I guess a question like that back then was maybe a little forward. Like, y- mm-hmm. you know, you were asking something very personal of this woman. and uh, But Jack doesn't care. <laughs> and like originally in the script... You know, when she was talking about how she felt, he says, "So don't marry him." And she goes, "If only it were that simple." And he says, "It is that simple." <laughs>
1: that's when the original one it says, "Yeah, that's a
0: part of the original scene." That's weird. And then she's like, "Oh, Jack, please do not say anything before you've seen my world, or whatever. Like, don't don't judge until you've seen my world."
1: That might be, yeah, that might have been a little bit too forward. I think.
0: So mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, But I just love how simple he sees things, the way he's like, yeah, just don't do it. (laughs) And, you know, she leaves, and then she goes, wait a minute, this is my part of the ship. You leave. And then, well, 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 now he's being rude. And she has no comeback for that, so she rips his drawing book out of his hand. (laughs) She's like, what is this stupid thing you're carrying around? And then she starts discovering that he's an artist. And she's like, well, these are rather good. These are very good, actually. Check, this is exquisite work. <laughs> it's like that escalated quickly. Um, suddenly, you know, she sits down. She's looking through all his drawings. And, you know, this right away is going back to when she's unloading all of the art in her room and Mm -hmm. cal hates it and doesn't understand it and now here's jack who's an artist and is drawing these things that rose clearly appreciates and that's another layer to the bond that's growing between them Mm -hmm. i feel like this is the equivalent to today where if i meet someone and we like the same bands bam we already have all yeah. this whole thing in common and we could become best friends over just that one thing we have in common yeah, yeah. and so now there's this love of art that they have between art
1: is them. the universal language in a sense
0: mm-hmm. all forms of art is the universal language
1: and it's kind of like artists are broke and they paint things for the rich type of thing you know mm. like the rich collect what the broke people make you know Mm -hmm. so it's kind of that same thing with the class like he's drawing all these beautiful things and she's collecting it right and she's interested in it and obviously he's into it too but he just can't afford to buy art Mm. but he makes art and yeah
0: there was also a tiny uh, bit of subtext i guess that i i thought was kind of important in the screenplay it says a passing steward scowls at jack clearly not a first class passenger but rose glares him away And this is what I always assumed because people also take issue with the fact that Jack is freely walking around in first-class spaces, which would never happen back then. But I always assumed that, hello, if he's with this first-class person and she wants him there and, like, she's not taking any issue with it, then clearly, you know... She has the upper hand in the situation. So I feel like, yeah, if a steward or someone were to come over and say, like, you don't belong here, she would say, eh, excuse me, like, he's with me. I want him here. Like, yeah. What can you say to that? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, yeah, I liked that that was at least written in there. Yeah. Like, you know, so James Cameron knows, obviously, that like he's not unaware that Jack wouldn't be able to be in these spaces.
1: Yeah. He's aware of the social disconnect, I guess. Mm between the two classes
0: you know Jack says that they didn't think too much of his drawings in Paris and then she's like Paris you do get around for a po- uh, a, a person of limited means <laughs> and then I guess when you were just saying how he wasn't insulted by yeah. what what she had said prior I guess he really isn't because he says for a poor guy you can say it
1: <laughs> yeah he's a realist
0: yeah he is and I, yeah. I love that and so there also was a a little deleted part of this too, where Jack, I think, like throws his drawings or something. I, wait, I got, I got to remember. <laughs> wait,
1: well, he throws it overboard.
0: Yes, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I know. So in this deleted scene, it says, "Jack, these are quite good, really, they are." And then Jack says, "Well, they didn't think too much of them in Paris." And then some loose sketches fall out and are taken by the wind. Jack scrambles after them, catching two, but the rest are gone over the rail. And then Rose says, oh no, I'm so sorry. And he goes, don't worry about it. There's plenty more where they came from. I just seem to spew them out. Besides, they're not worth a damn anyway. Uh, And then for emphasis, he throws away the two that he caught and they sail off. And then Rose, you're deranged.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh silly jack
0: <laughs> and i was really glad that they got rid of that because that would have been another setup when he says they weren't worth a damn anyway when cal sees jack's drawing of rose and then he doesn't take it with him mm-hmm. he tells rose it's a pity i didn't keep that drawing it'll be worth a lot more by morning <laughs> because <laughs> jack's gonna be dead and then his yeah. work is gonna be worth a damn yeah exactly yeah
1: exactly it's a shame.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I'm glad they got rid of that.
1: <laughs> they should make a Titanic version where the gender roles are switched. So like the guy is the first class and then the girl is the third class.
0: Hmm. I do wonder how different it would be. Because
1: they're doing all those like gen- gender reversal things in like movies and stuff. You know? Yeah.
0: Like,
1: Ghostbusters. Uh-huh. Now Titanic.
0: <laughs> now Titanic. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Probably starring Tiffany Haddish.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> Kristen Wiig, yeah.
1: Yeah, Kristen Wiig will be in it.
0: Um, Let's see. So, Jack starts telling all of these stories behind his drawings, and, you know, there's a lot of nude women in his yeah. sketchbook, and she's all, and these were drawn from life? <laughs> you know, she assumes... Oh, you must have had a love affair with this one woman here, and mm. then he explains, "No, no, no, just with her hands." But I think it's funny the way he's like, "She was a one-legged prostitute," and it's like, "Okay, so what does that mean? She's not worth having an affair with." <laughs> it's kind of like, <laughs> "Wait a minute."
1: <laughs> well, back then, it's like, you know, you don't, you wouldn't, even if you did, you would never say you did.
0: Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I don't know. So you know, and then Rose is like looking at the jar and like, "Oh, right." Eh. And actually if you pause, you can see the drawing he's talking about. It's nothing that would cause Ro- Rose to have to like turn her head to look or whatever. It's just
1: mm-hmm.
0: the woman she's she has a crutch. Okay. A skirt and she has one leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's just standing there. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I think she starts realizing the kind of person Jack is when he says, "Nah, but she had a good sense of humor though." About, you know, this one-legged prostitute. Yeah. That's like when the music kicks in. There's like the little piano. She kind of looks to him like, "Wait a minute. He's not just this, you know, person drawing naked women. Like he's actually seeing these people for who they are."
1: Yeah, he's not. Ex- it's not exploit It's not just exploitive, exploitative, mm-hmm.
0: exploitive. Exploitive?
1: <laughs> he's not just exploiting them. Yeah. But yeah, you know what I'm saying.
0: Mm-hmm. He starts telling these other stories, and he says,
1: "On this lady." she used to sit at this bar every night wearing every piece of jewelry she owned just waiting for her long lost love
0: and i thought this was fascinating because i never this is another connection i never made i believe it was the unspooled podcast Mm -hmm. uh that i heard this on um their titanic episode they had mentioned that if you look at old rose In the present day, she's wearing a lot of jewelry.
1: Ah, I didn't really think about that, yeah.
0: I didn't think about it either, and I was driving around listening to them say this, and when they said that, my jaw literally dropped when I was driving, and I was like, oh my god, I freaking love this movie. What if that was a small thing that she remembered, and she's wearing Mm -hmm. all of this jewelry waiting for her long-lost love? who is Jack all these years. Yeah, yeah. But it's just interesting. Yeah,
1: it is interesting. That's really cool.
0: Yeah, it's like a a really fun connection that I never made. It's just really nice. Always learning something new. But I love the way they make a point to show Rose carefully listening to everything that he's saying because... Yeah, she
1: admires him, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, she's like a little jealous of all the things that he's able to do in the way he sees the world. And she's clearly never had the chance to vibe with another person in this way. Mm-hmm. Like another person that kind of has the same attitude she would if she was allowed to and also again someone listening to her and giving her the space she needs and likes the same things and yeah i don't know i just think it's nice and she says you know you have a gift you see people and he says i see you and you wouldn't have jumped true and yeah so that's where I feel the end of that scene is, right? Yeah. But on the DVD scene selection, it keeps going, calling this one scene. So... Yeah. Definitely not. I feel like this is an end to the part one going into a part two.
1: So you have all this stuff with her mom and, mm-hmm. and the, the ladies, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And the captain and Ismay, which I definitely is a totally new subject. So... Yeah. That's definitely a different scene. Is this scene. the
1: spitting scene, too?
0: This is... Yeah, the second half of this is the spitting the scene. The second half.
1: Yeah. That's the second half, right? Yeah. hmm That's a long scene
0: yeah i mean it's not it's not too long but it's important yeah
1: as a lot happens i guess
0: yeah so we will be saving the rest of the scene for a part two so Mm -hmm. (laughs) all of our socials will be in the description below send us an email write to us on socials leave us a voicemail please and we will see you guys in the next scene or the next, the next scene the next part of the next scene what the next yeah, yeah. part the next episode <laughs> the next episode yes see it.